0: Let's read together from the scriptures. We're turning this morning again to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 19. There's only 11 verses in the chapter. We'll read the chapter together. Let's think of the words as we're reading. 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Let's pay the closest attention to what God says. Let's remember every word is important. Every word's inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Chronicles 19. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to king Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly, and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem. And he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim. And brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah. City by city. And said to the judges, take heed what you do. For ye judge not for man. But for the Lord who is with you in the judgment Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you Take heed and do it For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God Nor respect of persons Nor taking of gifts Moreover in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites and of the priests And of the chief of the fathers of Israel For the judgment of the Lord and for controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them saying, Thus shall ye do in in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandments, statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord, And so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do, and ye shall not trespass. And behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 2. It reads as, And Jehu, the son of Haniah, the seer went out to meet him. And said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly, and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. And my theme today is entitled, God's Chastisement of a Compromiser. Now for the past few weeks, we have learned some things about Jehoshaphat of Judah. He was the fourth king to reign over Judah. Whenever his dad, Asa, died, Jehoshaphat was 35. So I want you to think of a middle-aged man being crowned king over Judah. Remember the land of Israel is divided into two. The northern kingdom has a king with 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom has a king called Jehoshaphat now on the throne with two tribes. The Bible tells us that this man reigned for 25 years. So if he was 35 when he started and he reigned for 25 years, that means he was 60 when he died. Not an old man in biblical standards. Now, we read there in um, Second Chronicles and in uh, chapter um, 20, and in the verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and became to fast throughout all Judah. Now, Jehoshaphat, of course, is a wonderful character. He was one of the few kings of Judah who knew and loved the Lord. So, so he's an Old Testament believer. And he sought to direct his life in the path of godliness I've said before, it's interesting that none of the kings of the northern kingdom had a testimony that they loved the Lord or walked in the way of truth and righteousness. And sadly, many of the kings of Judah, the 19 kings and the one queen, they used their position for the promotion of idolatry and iniquity and immorality. Many had no interest in the things of God. They had no love for him. But Jehoshaphat was different. He was really, we could say, one of the greatest kings of Judah. What was Jehoshaphat like? Well, he was a good man. In many ways, he was a godly man. Remember what we said about him at the start. We read there in 2 Chronicles 17 and 3 and 4. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doing of Israel. And remember, we preached a whole sermon on the early life of Jehoshaphat, the start of his reign when he strengthened himself against Israel. Remember, he's 35. And I've already told you, he reigned on for 25 years. And we read there in Second Chronicles 20 and 31, and Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah he was thirty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and five years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. Now that's interesting. Here's Jehoshaphat at the very start of his reign, and he's walked in the first ways of his father David. The early years of his kingship, he used David as the patron. When he sought to walk with God, at the start of his reign, he strengthened himself against Israel. So he's a man of strong faith, a man of deep conviction. I've already told you he wasn't a perfect man, not a sinless man. He's a man who made mistakes, a man who was prone to error, a man who was prone to misjudgment. And, and last week we focused on 2nd Chronicles chapter 18 Verses 1-3 to 3, under the heading Understanding Jehoshaphat's sin of compromise And we saw the decision that he made was foolish He joined an affinity with Ahab We thought of who made it Jehoshaphat did And we said that we're all prone to sin and error And to misjudgment We thought about why we, 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 we thought about then the danger that he faced. He went down and the disaster that followed. Sin, remember, pays wages. Now, now chapter 19 is a follow on after the war in Ramoth Gilead with the Syrian army and the near death of Jehoshaphat. And the sure and certain death of wicked King Ahab, according to the word of the Lord, remember when Micaiah the prophet preached at the barbecue in Samaria, he prophesied before the two kings, think of them sitting there in a high elevated place, robes side by side. And what did Micaiah do when he came brought out of prison? He prophesied the death of Ahab in the battle. Ahab was raging. He said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you? he never prophesy anything good to me. He was annoyed. He upset. Uh, and and, and he, he, he demanded that he was put back into prison and probably beaten and mistreated. But Micaiah, listen to what he says in chapter 18 and verse 18. Twenty six, Verse 27. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me? And he said, Hearken all ye people. Now what do we read in the last verse of chapter 18? Look at it very carefully. And the battle increased that day. Chapter 18. Eighteen Second Chronicles verse thirty four. Howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until the even. That was Ahab, and about the time of the going, about the time of the sun going down, he died. Despite his disguise in the battlefield, the soldier of the Syrian army who drew a bow at a venture struck Ahab. Between the the armor. And he died in his chariot. And just as was prophesied. That the dogs came and licked the blood. As it was washed. In the pool of Samaria. Jehoshaphat returns home. Think of him getting near Jerusalem. And what are we told? We're told this. And Jehu the son of Hanai. The seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Jehoshaphat is a compromiser in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat is guilty of being backslidden in his heart and mind. Remember, he's just a man. Remember, the best of men are men at best. He's a good king. He's a godly king in many areas. He hated idolatry. He tried to do the right thing. He was a man who God prospered during his 25-year reign. And yet here he is, somewhere into that reign. Many feel 17 years into that reign. Here he is, rebuked. And it's a serious rebuke. It's the censorship of a king. He's being reproved with the words... Shouldest thou help the ungodly. And love them that hate the Lord. Therefore is wrath upon thee from the Lord. There's God's chastisement of a compromising king. Now I want us to think of three things this morning. I want you to think of the foolish compromise analyzed. What was Jehoshaphat's chief sin or big sin? And the answer is very simple. He was guilty of compromise. He was guilty of helping the ungodly. He was guilty of loving those that hated the Lord. A preacher of years ago called Robert Candlish of Edinburgh, he has commented that Jehoshaphat had a tendency to connect with idolatry and had a Single fault of making frequent alliances with the ungodly, and in his life, during the 25-year reign, he just didn't do it once. he didn't just do it two times. in fact, he didn't even do it three times. Did you know that there's four occurrences during his 25-year reign that marked him out of constantly making this single fault? Of making an alliance with the ungodly. Let's just think about them very quickly. He joined in a military alliance. Remember this war in Ramoth Gilead? Under the control of the Syrians, one of the cities of refuge. And remember we saw last week he formed an alliance with Ahab to go to war with him. Look again at 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and verse two and three. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go with him to Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, wilt thou go up with me to Ramoth Gilead? Now listen to these words. And he answered him. He could have said no. But look at what he said, verse 3, chapter 18. I am as thou art. Well, that was a lie for a start. And my people is thy people. And we will be with thee in the war. Here he is, joining in a military alliance with a man who's a hater of God. There was an American preacher preached a sermon on this. I haven't heard it. But the title in sermon audio is Swimming with Sharks. Now, now I thought of that. Picture that analogy. You, you want to go swimming. And somebody says, but there's sharks in the water. So you go in to swim. Well, well that wouldn't be wise, would it? That, that wouldn't be safe for you or your children. That wouldn't be a good practice. That would be a dangerous thing to do. Well, well, that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat joined in a military alliance with the hater of God. This was indeed a foolish compromise. Here's the two joined together in some sort of relationship, having fellowship. Jehu said, Shouldest thou help the ungodly? Who was he referring to? He's referring to Ahab. What was Ahab like? Well, turn back in your Bible there. Look at 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. And we read there, 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 29. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty-two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Listen to this, verse thirty-one. First Kings 16 that he took the wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians and went and served Baal and worshipped him and he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he had built in Samaria and Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, that's important. And remember what we read last week. Let me just repeat it to you. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, it says, But there was none like unto Ahab, 1 Kings 21, 25, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abundantly in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. You see, there was none like Ahab who sold himself to work wickedness. And here's the point. Jehoshaphat had to overlook it all. He overlooked the faith of Ahab. He's a worshiper of Baal. He doesn't worship Jehovah as the living and true God. He's really an idolater. He had to overlook the the filth of Ahab. The false altar in Samaria. The false day for worship, the false temple, the false priest, the false sacrifice. He had to overlook the folly of Ahab. Who did this man marry? He married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbael, the king of the Zidonians. The one who was going to stir him up to do wickedness before God. He, he should not have joined hands in a military alliance with a hater of God. He joined hands with them as if nothing was wrong. I believe Jehoshaphat's thinking was warped. I believe he was thinking we've got a common enemy. Syrians have got Ram of Gilead. Ahab, well, he's a fellow Jew. He's a descendant of Abraham. It's in our interest to join together in a military alliance. We're equals in this military relationship. It's a good thing. And here's the man of God coming and saying, no. It's a godless thing. Why? Because the Lord was not in it. And you see, we're urged today in the Free Presbyterian denomination to compromise, to join with Roman Catholicism, to join with liberalism, to join with modernism, to join with the the ecumenical movement. And here's here's the thinking: will we all, as Christians, face a common enemy? We're facing a, a secular, atheistic, hedonistic world. Uh, and, and we need to forge an alliance. And we need to, to get together. Uh, and there, there's security and safety in numbers. And, and the chief thing for me is, well, what does God say? What does God think? What's the will of God? Uh, and the answer is, no from heaven. Why? Because of the attitudes And the actions and the announcements And the associations of many of these We'll call them Roman Catholic priests Liberal theologians and preachers Ecumenically minded men Men who are are guilty of modernism And and God would be saying to us Like he would have been saying to to Joshua Don't be building a bridge with them Why? Because it would be the very death of the church It would have an impact Upon true Bible believing Christianity Is is this Not what's happening all over the world Is Christendom Not in a poor feeble state Why? Because of individual Christians Because of individual churches Because of individual Seminaries and universities You, You think of those Bible colleges that started out with great orthodoxy. We believe in the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, as is revealed in the scriptures. We we believe the Bible to be the infallible and errant word of God. We believe in the personal work of Jesus Christ. And somewhere down the line, they have ended up compromising that very position. And they have eventually slid into sin and apostasy. And they maybe have joined together with a good idea, fight a common enemy. But, but the common enemy doesn't justify Any sort of compromise Did you know he joined in an, a, a, an economic alliance Turn over there in your Bible To chapter 20 2 Chronicles And we'll look at chapter 20 Go to the very end of the chapter Verse 35 It says and after this 2nd Chronicles 20, 35 Look at the book now Follow with me and after this, did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Hazaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezon-Geber. Then, Eliazir, the son of Dovah of Mereshah, Prophesied against Jehoshaphat Saying because thou hast joined thyself With Ahaziah The Lord hath broken thy works And the ships were broken That they were not Able to go to Tarshish You see He was thinking again In a very rationalistic way There's a new King in the throne of Israel His name's Ahaziah And we lent enter into A, a ship building Enterprise Ahaziah was The son of Ahab He also did as much Evil as his father And Jehoshaphat and him Got together and formed an alliance This time not a military one but an economic One we're not going to battle we're going to build So let's build ships together Let's help each other out Let's pull our expertise Better to have one Navy to protect us all than, than two navies that's, that's more um, uh, costly and not economically viable Let's build merchant ships and share together in wealth and commerce You see, this was all about a, a, an economic decision, an economic alliance This made good business sense to Jehoshaphat and Ahaziah They were after gold They wanted prosperity They were saying, but we can prosper if we do this You think of the church today we can prosper if we do this so so that's why you've got a helter skelter slide in norwich cathedral and 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 the men in the church of england well the majority of them not them all think it's a good thing you think of those churches that bring in a tv screen on the lord's day to watch the world cup You think of those churches that are involved in advocating the National Lottery. You think of those ministers and churches who are calling for the legalization of prostitution. Why? Well, well, the government would have better tax returns. But especially the ladies involved in playing that trade Would have better health And, 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 and they would be uh, secure and, 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 and they wouldn't really be under the control of, of pimps, etc You think of those who are calling for the legalisation of cannabis And those that are calling for the legalisation of abortion The woman's right But it's her body But then we ask, well what about the, the right of the unborn child? You see, here's the key thing now this morning. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This economic alliance, this decision that Jehoshaphat made, this was against the word of God. How do I know that? Well, we'll turn back in your Bible. It's always good to compare Scripture with Scripture. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 17. Deuteronomy 17 and 17. It says here, this is about the qualifications of a king now, on the throne, All right. wasn't to multiply horses to himself. Look at verse 17, Deuteronomy 17, neither shall he multiply wise to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Well, what was Jehoshaphat doing? He was multiplying to himself silver and gold. Here's one of the qualifications. Don't multiply gold. Don't be seeking after gold. Don't make gold your top priority. What should be the top priority of the child of God, the man of God, the woman of God? Here's the answer. Matthew 6 and 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Trust in the Lord. And if the Lord blesses you with silver and gold, good. But but don't be setting your heart after gold. Don't be seeking after money. And how many individual Christians and even some churches have said, Well, we're going to have to do this. We know it's wrong, but we must do it to survive. Because we've got to get revenue for the church. No we don't. The first thing that the Christian needs to do. And the church needs to do. Is to obey the Lord. But if we don't do it. It's going to harm and affect our finances. Well do you know what happened to this economic alliance? The Lord hath broken thy works. The prophet said. He The Lord had broken thy works God broke the navy God destroyed the merchant ships They were setting out To receive financial gain But it was all destroyed by the Lord Brought to nothing Let me tell you a little story Someone said to me this week About is it possible To crash and burn as a Christian Did you know there was a pastor In the United States of America He was a younger man than me He just had come to the church He had Recently married, the wife was a beautiful pianist, a great gifted singer, and she was involved in the music of the church, and things went well in that church for a long time, and the Lord blessed, and eventually had 500 of a membership. It was a Baptist church in, in America, and it was discovered then that uh, this man was using the church offices for counseling sessions. And that was no problem. If somebody come and had a problem, we'll want to talk to the pastor, well, that was good. So, so they were using the church offices. But then they discovered something. He was charging for it. So it was a bit like Brother Matthew Lewis saying to me, I've got a wee problem. And me saying, well, look, Matthew, I've given you an hour here or two hours, but that will be 70 pounds. Well, he'd be horrified, and I would expect that. But, but that's what this man was doing. And then more than that, it was discovered when he was charging these people, he was putting the money through a church youth account. So they wouldn't have to pay any tax upon it And boy when it Come up to the business meeting and all that was Made known well they had a vote And they voted that the, what the pastor had done was, was okay And of course some people were horrified And left the church Do You know afterwards In those counselling sessions That pastor with that beautiful wife With all her gifts He fell in love with a younger model And he left his wife And went off with her And then over time, he started to gamble. And over time, he started to drink. And then he lost the big fancy house that he'd made through the counseling sessions because of a gambling addiction. And then because of the drink problem, she left him and he was on his own. And here was the question. Was the man saved in the first place? I don't know. Was the man backslidden? In all likelihood... Would it be possible for the man to be in a false professor at the start? Well, Well, only the Lord knows. The Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. But listen to this. And this applies to me. Especially to me. But let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This was an economic alliance. Oh, very quickly. This was a marriage alliance. Do you know that early in his reign, Jehoshaphat... Married off his son to the daughter of Ahab Look at chapter 21 Verses 5 and 6 It says Jehoram was Thirty and two years old when he began To reign and he reigned eight years In Jerusalem So, so Jehoshaphat's now Dead all right, And his firstborn son You can read about that In chapter 21 verse 3 But the kingdom gave he to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. And it says in verse 6 of the same chapter, chapter 21, And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab. Why? Notice these words. For he had the daughter of Ahab the wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now now do you see that? Turn over there to 2 Chronicles chapter 24 And I want you to read verse 7 I want you to underline it in your Bible It says here For the sons of Athaliah This was the wife That Jehoram had married This was her name And they had children And notice what it says For the sons of Athaliah That wicked woman Had broken up the house of God and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow unto Balaam. Notice she's called that wicked woman. So here's after the death of Jehoshaphat and Jehoram reigns in his stead and Jehoram comes to the throne and we're told that he had the daughter of Ahab the wife and his name, her name was Athaliah. She's called the Wicked Woman. And what I'm saying is, this was a bad match. This young girl was just like her mother. A bloodthirsty woman who had a quest for power full of deceit and guile. And he married his son to the daughter of Jezebel. He gave gifts to the rest of his children. Chapter 21, verse 3. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram. His firstborn now, now think of that His son was married to an unbeliever His son was married to a wicked woman The land is beginning to slip into apostasy He reigned for eight years in Jerusalem You see I believe this morning That God will not bless the unequal yoke I believe the unequal yoke is wrong Why did he marry him off? Was it for political reasons? Ideology Was it for social standing? How many marry for for money and marry for influence? But what about loving the Lord? What about standing for Christ and truth and righteousness? He also joined in a spiritual alliance. Remember them having fellowship in Samaria, around the table, the barbecue? Think of the treatment of Micaiah, one of God's prophets. Did you know that Jehoshaphat never spoke a word in defense of Micaiah? He could have spoke up. He could have said, well, there'll be no war because this man says you're going to die. But he didn't. Here's the analyzation of the compromise. It's fourfold. It's military. It's economic. It's marital. And also it's spiritual. And you think this morning. Of those of us who stand for the old paths and the old truths. And through the influence of modernism and liberalism and the ecumenical movement and, and Roman Catholicism, the old past and the old truths have been forsaken. The, the old confessional statements are being set to the one side. Could, could I say this morning, and I said lovingly, the Church of Rome has not changed one bit. The dogmas of the Church of Rome, although dressed up a little bit better in fancy language, they're still the same as what they were in Reformation times. You read the 1994 Roman Catholic Catechism. And those that want a relationship and fellowship with the Church of Rome, it's a relationship and fellowship in her terms. And how many have entered into a loose association and then ended up in closer fellowship. And then they end up justifying the evil and condemning those that speak against them. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? If a man doesn't believe the blood atonement doesn't believe in the doctrine of hell, doesn't believe the Bible to be the infallible word of God, doesn't believe in justification by faith alone as the only ground of salvation. And and you want to have a relationship and a fellowship with men like that? You can't do it! Let me illustrate a man called Donald Gillis of Agnes Street Presbyterian Church. He wrote a book in the 60s, Unity in the Dark. I have it. It's a great book. It exposes the whole of the ecumenical movement. And the trend of the day. And he ended up, for some reason unknown to me, ended up having dialogue, a a loose association with, with men of this thinking. And he ended up at ecumenical meetings. And then he became a partaker of those ecumenical meetings. And he ended up compromising himself. For what? Did it do any good to Agnes Street Presbyterian Church? The answer's no. Let me just say very quickly and secondly There's a faithful condemnation announced here. If you look at the text very carefully And I've spent a long time Maybe longer than I should have in dealing with that Here's the challenge by the man of God To a man of God God is displeased Let me ask this Is it wrong for one man who's a Christian To challenge another Christian? Should there be no righteous Real discernment The answer to that question is no It's not wrong for one preacher to challenge Either a king or another preacher Or one Christian to challenge another Christian For something that they're doing is wrong Remember the apostle Paul Challenged the apostle Peter to his face Galatians 2 because he was wrong Because he was compromising the gospel And he was saying that you need to be circumcised In order to be saved Jehu was being faithful to God. Jehu stood alone. He's only one man, but he was God's man. Think of the wording here, help the ungodly. And Ahab was being referenced here. He had the curse of God upon him. I want to say this morning, Jehu wasn't a spineless man. Jehu was not a cream puff preacher as Dr. Paisley described him. Josh, or Jehu wasn't a man who stood for nothing he, he stood for God And you know we shouldn't love everyone And we shouldn't love everything Because our love for God and truth and righteousness Should be first And we certainly shouldn't be loving the ungodly And loving the haters of God In our day and generation And maybe I should say this We shouldn't be involved in great ecumenical enterprises either with Roman Catholics bishops priests or nuns or liberal or modernistic ministers maybe I should add this little bit there's a debate raging in Northern Ireland about abortion as a church we're totally against abortion but I've been thinking about this we as a church can't lose the plot the souls of men are more important than even the ba- bodies of little babies. And, and babies are important and, and we're against the murder of uh, the unborn in the womb. But that doesn't mean to say we're going to enter into an ecumenical alliance or enterprise with men who don't stand or believe the same thing that we do. We're certainly not going to compromise the gospel. The Bible tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. The Bible tells us, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And you see, many of these uh, uh, Roman Catholic priests, bishops and nuns, liberal ministers, modernist ministers, you think of the apostasy of our day, they believe in same-sex marriage. The dean of St. Anne's Cathedral, I challenged him, This church believes in marriage equality. I told him the head of the church doesn't believe that. And the head of the church is Christ. Are we to enter into an alliance with a man like that? Who are pro-everything, but not pro-Christ and the gospel? Should we be supporting the wicked? Should we be sympathizing with the haters of God and light and truth? The answer is no. So let's avoid the unequal yoke. Remember these words, the Lord hath broken thy works. And whether it's a military or economic or or spiritual or or matrimonial alliance, let's not love those that are haters of God. Let's love the gospel. Let's love Christ first. Let's not be partaker of their evil deeds. I remember a man on the faith mission. And he prayed one night in a prayer meeting for the Pope to be saved. He said, Lord, there's 800 million Roman Catholics in the world. It would be great if the Pope was saved. And I remember the independent counsellor in Ballymunny, John Finlay, who was beside me, thumped the chair, the bottom fell out of the chair, and he shouts, Lord, don't answer that prayer. He says, you fool, he's an English fellow. How could Antichrist be saved? You see, he had discernment. Here's Jehu, a faithful condemnation announced. And let me just say this in finishing. There's a fearful consequence acknowledged. Look at the bottom of the text. Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Even though this man had done good things that were found in his life, therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Do you know that all his chief sin of forging and alliances in this fourfold way. It affected him personally. Sin leaves its mark. It affected his household. You think of what happened in his family. When Jehoram came to the throne, you know the first thing he did? He murdered every other brother. Who was behind it? His wife. He only lasted eight years, and then she became the queen. And then sin and apostasy took a fuller toll. You think of what happened in his homeland. For many years the land was under sin and apostasy until young Joash came to the throne. It's never right to do wrong. No man is an island. Sin has consequences. affected him, his household and his homeland. Whenever Ben Johnson was found out to be taking drugs in the um, Canada Olympics and he failed that drug test, he was disqualified. He had no placing in the race at all. And how many disqualify themselves, have no placing in the heart and mind of God because of their sinful decision? Sin pays wages. Sin leaves a mark. And if you're here, still in your sin, you've never called in Christ, you've never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. I would urge, I would recommend you this morning to think of this fact the wrath of God is upon thee. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Therefore, you need to repent. Therefore, you need to get right with God. Therefore, you need to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And you need to put God first and seek to love him with all your heart and with all your strength. The compromise that's analyzed here. The condemnation that's announced. And the consequences that's acknowledged. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to our understanding this morning.